Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we hear in our Gospel the account of the feeding of the 4,000. Liberal scholars will say that this is just a mistake by the Gospel writers. They were just confused at the stories going around, one of 5,000, one of 4,000, and being the ancients they were, were a little too stupid to realize it was supposed to be one story, and so they wrote down two. But why should we believe those who doubt the scriptures so? St. Matthew, the writer of his gospel, in which this account also occurs, and St. Peter, who was St. Mark's source for his gospel, are reliable witnesses that saw Jesus feed both 5,000 in one place and later 4,000 in another. The feeding of the 5,000 took place in Galilee and was the result of our Lord multiplying five loaves and two fish. In the end, there were 12 baskets, 12 small baskets filled with leftovers. During the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples thought that there was nothing that could be done, saying even if we had a large sum of money, there would only be enough for each to have just a little. And so they urged Jesus to send the people away. In the feeding of the 4,000, almost every detail is different. This took place in the region of the Decapolis, a primarily Gentile region to the north and east of Galilee. Here the Lord Jesus uses seven loaves and a few small fish, and after everyone was filled, they had seven large baskets of leftovers. Here, the second time that Jesus fed a multitude, the disciples do not seem to be worried, but imply in how they ask their question that they trust that Jesus will not only feed them a little, but fill them. When Jesus asks how many loaves they have, they do not question how so little can feed so many, but simply say seven and give him the bread cakes. Finally, one of the main differences is that when Jesus feeds the 4,000, he brings up the people's need and his compassion on them first. At this time, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Our Lord Jesus did not wait for the multitude to ask him. He did not wait for his disciples to tell him of the need of the people. No, he knew of the people's need. He was aware of their hunger. He knew how far many of them had come. Even before the people had thought to ask, he was aware of their need. 
He saw the people and knew their hearts and what they needed, and he had compassion on them. His heart went out to them. He cared for these people. He loved these people who had followed him for the last three days. He knew even before they did that if he sent them away now, many would not make it home. They would faint on the way. He knew this and had compassion on them. He will meet their need. But in order that the disciples may know of his compassion, and so that the disciples may trust him for all of their needs, he tells his disciples the thoughts of his heart. He did not want them to be worried about their needs, especially since as his disciples and soon to be his apostles, he would send them to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel and would face want, need, and even persecution. He would have his disciples trust in him so that they would not worry about their needs and instead focus on their task of bringing the good news of salvation to all people. And in this we see our Lord's great compassion for us. He cares not only for our spiritual needs, but our physical needs as well. Our Lord Jesus knows all of our needs even before we do. He is acutely aware of us and our lives, and he has concern for us. Even before we cry out to him for help, he already knows what our need is. St. Paul writes of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, The Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Likewise, the Son, Jesus Christ, who lives evermore to intercede for us, knows our need before we ask. So, too, he knows how best to fulfill our need in accordance with his will in the way that is most beneficial for us and our eternal good. As we see how great his compassion and care we likewise see how much we truly lack in our faith and how much doubt and unbelief continue to dwell within us. Because of his great compassion and care, we should not doubt or worry and focus on our everyday needs, but instead trust in him all the more in spite of our doubt, for he knows our need and how best to meet it. So we should then seek first his kingdom and righteousness over and above our day-to-day -day needs. In our gospel lesson, the people had been following our Lord for three days. For three days they continued with Jesus, seeking him and his teaching. They had supplies at first, but as they continued, their supplies began to dwindle. And they did not leave to find more, but they continued after Jesus they still sought to hear the gracious words which came from his mouth, so that their hungry souls might be filled with his word. There, this was their goal. This is what they hungered for. And our Lord would not have these followers who so loved him and desired to be with him go hungry or faint. Thus he provided for them and took care of their other temporal needs before they even realized it. So, too, we should seek him above all, seek his kingdom first over all other things in this life. 
The world and our culture amplifies all our temporal needs and drills it into us that these are first and foremost so that we might be consumed by desire to fill ourselves and our coffers with what they have to offer. Yet our Lord has said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Instead of seeking these, we should seek him first. Seek to be rich in spiritual things, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive his word and meditate upon it day and night, to be found always in his house, seeking him where he makes himself present in word and sacrament for our good. If we seek this first, if we follow after him and continue with him, he will provide for us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, says our Lord. For if we have the kingdom of God, if we are rich in spiritual things, we will lack nothing. If we have this, we have everything. For we have the love of the Father, the salvation which has been won for us by the Son, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If we have faith, if we trust in him who, while we were yet sinners, died for us, who died for us in order to take us from being enemies of God, in order to make us sons of God through adoption, how could we lack anything? When he has so freely given us life eternal and so lavishly looks upon us with his grace, how could we lack what we need to support this body and life? Thus we should seek him first and continue after him that we may have all of these spiritual riches which we receive from him by faith and which are found in his word and sacraments. If we seek first after our spiritual need and treasure his gifts, he will ensure that we have our other needs met. We will see this all the more fully when we recognize that all we have comes from God, whether it is much or little. The disciples only had seven cakes of bread and a few preserved fish. Yet from this little offered to the Lord, our Lord blessed it and fed 4,000. Our Lord Jesus took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before them, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said, set them before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. He took this small amount, and he gave thanks to the Father for these gifts, even if it looked like it would not be near enough for the task at hand. In this our Lord teaches us that we too must recognize that all we have comes from God, and that no matter how much or how little, we should give thanks to him for what we have received. It is pleasing to God that we recognize him and his works and his gifts. We are so used to seeing how God provides for us and for all creatures that in the many and various ways that he does, they seem common to us. When we recognize this, it informs our lives so that we might live in faith. And so we give thanks to God for all that he has done and all that he has given and he will indeed bless us and continue to help us. After all, he knows our need, and he knows how best to meet them, 
in order that we might trust in him all the more and call upon him in every need and give thanks to him at all times. If we do this, we are rich, even in the midst of poverty. If we recognize that God has done all that is necessary for our salvation, that he has provided us with the righteousness of Christ, and that he gives us a clean conscience through the forgiveness of sins for Jesus' sake when we trust in him, if we recognize that he provides us with all we need to support our body and life, we are richer than all others. The blessings that the Lord bestows on those who trust in him, who are declared righteous in his sight by faith in him, far outweigh other riches. David writes, A little with a righteous man is better than the riches of many wicked. And his son, wise Solomon, adds in the Proverbs, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. For these are true riches and true wealth, that we are justified in his sight and our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ, who knows all our needs and will provide for them. St. Paul reminds us godliness with contentment is great gain. This godliness is the gift of God in Christ Jesus, and the gain is eternal life. Surely this is far greater than all other riches. No treasure in the world can compare to the promises which God has given you in holy baptism. No pleasure in the world can come close to knowing God and the promise of seeing him in the beatific vision. What can all the wealth in the world compare to this? Those who are rich, who seek to enrich themselves in this life, who hoard what God has given them to bless others, cannot find help in their possessions. Not lasting help, at least. Desiring to be rich, many have fallen into temptation that leads to death and slavery to mammon. This desire for wealth and riches consumes and leads to all sorts of other sins, in order to keep it or grow it. For they become concerned only with themselves and what they have so that they murder through not helping their neighbor in their need and they oppress the poor. They let God's house deteriorate and stand empty of preachers while their houses are built up and are filled. What help is that wealth on the day of judgment? What comfort does it give in the grave? Can mammon save from death? Will great toiling for great riches in this fleeting life earn a place in eternal life? Many work hard to try to achieve some leisure that can be bought with wealth. The world continues to, to tempt Christ's people with what it can offer, just as Satan tempted our Lord in the wilderness with all the kingdoms of the world and their wealth. But these are not true riches. They cannot help in the day of trouble. Only our Lord can. Only the blessings he bestows on those who trust in him and wait on him are lasting. It is vain that you go to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, writes the psalmist. For so he gives his beloved sleep. If one toils and works and slaves thinking to find wealth and so be satisfied, there will never be rest, never be satisfaction, never be lasting happiness. This will profit no one in the end. But the Lord grants true rest, true riches, true pleasure, true happiness to those who trust in him. To those who, having faith, seek his kingdom, he gives his beloved sleep. 
the rest he gives, the knowledge that he loves and cares for us and for all our needs, allows us to work in such a way that we may do so to serve others and use those gifts that God has given us to help our neighbor in their time of need, just as Christ has so helped us. If we seek to be rich in spiritual things, we will not be put to shame. Moreover, we will find the old proverb true, one loses no time by going to church. Giving alms does not impoverish, for our Lord knows our needs. He did not let those who followed him in the wilderness for three days go hungry when they followed him and sought to hear him. It is he who gave his life to save us, even us poor sinners whose faith is weak and trembling. So let us trust in him all the more and seek him above all things. And may God grant that we may seek after those true riches through faith and preserve us from deceptive riches which cannot help through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord, who is compassionate and knows our every need and how best to meet them. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. <laughs>